Welcome to the Outback Way podcast. This edition is sponsored by our guidebook, which is available from our website, outbackway.org.au. Welcome to the Outback Way podcast. I am Helen Lewis. Buckle up as we take you on Australia's longest shortcut, a journey through the heart of Australia. Welcome to the Outback Way podcast. And I hope you're enjoying the show so far in regards to the various episodes we've had live on iTunes and also through our website. Uh, please uh, leave your reviews at iTunes and uh, and give us your feedback. We're look at, looking forward to getting ideas of what else you might like to know about the Outback Way, Australia's Longest Shortcut. Well, this morning it's a great pleasure to have with me Lindy and Amy from Curtin Springs. It's on the Lassiter's Highway in Central Australia. And uh, they're going to give us a rundown on a working station and also all the other attributes they have developed and other businesses they've added on to their station uh, to capture the market, the tourism uh, along the Lassiters and, uh, and really offer tourists a wonderful oasis uh, in, in what otherwise could be a fairly uh, dry and, and arid area of, of, the, of our country. So welcome, Lindy and Amy, and I'm really excited to talk to you. You've got lots going on at Curtin Springs, so looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks, Helen. Hi, Miss Helen. So I guess uh, we, just for starting, how did you end up at Curtin Springs? It's been, obviously, it's an old property, it's an old station. Uh, please give us some history of the station, your history about being there. That would be great. All right, well, there's, there's a couple of stages and a couple of parts of that story. The original story is uh, when Peter and Dawn, Sever and my mother and father-in-law came out and took over Curtin Springs Station in 1956. They were a young couple who, were, who had stars in their eyes and a, and a nice fresh mortgage and, and they were heading off on their own adventure. At that point in time... Curtin Springs was technically the end of the road. Ayers Rock didn't exist as a tourist destination in 1956. Wow. And, incredible. Uh, yeah, so Pete built uh, Dawn the Bowshed, uh, where they lived for three years um, when they first arrived. And the, new, uh, the, new, the old version of a shed, a shed house that people are oh, building okay, now. Sorry. Building a shed <laughs> Um, so yeah, so the bow shed's made from you know desert oak and chicken wire and spinifex, uh, and it's yep. the area that we now use as our dining area and uh, sort of beer garden area. Um, yep. So right. they lived under that for three years, and in the first year that they were here, six people drove down the road. Uh, so two mm-hmm. friends of theirs who believed that they had perished and were on a search and recovery mission. <laughs> two stock and station agents who wanted them to buy some more cattle and uh, increase their mortgage, and two what we would now call bona fide tourists. So yeah. the second year there was a 50% increase, so it's always about how you play the numbers. Um, yeah, so in 15, 12 <laughs> yeah, in, uh, in 12 months there was yeah, 15 people drive down the road. So uh, that's a little bit different to what it is now. The other thing that overlays that is that uh, Pete and Dawn had an inch of rain just after they got here, but then it didn't rain again for nine years. So when Len Stewart, who was based in Alice Springs, he believed that there was potential in the rock. He believed that people would want to come and see it. So he started running tours out from Alice Springs to to the rock. And uh, it was a two-day trip on the dirt. 
They'd camp out overnight before they got here. Glenn would drop off his fuel drums and pick up water um, because what a lot of people don't realise now is that it took a long time to establish permanent water out of the rock and all of the water for the early development, for human use and for building and construction all got carted from Curtin Springs in 44-gallon drums because we were the closest permanent water. So ultimately, Pete and Dawn said, well, why don't we make your guys um, a sandwich and a, and, or a scone and a cup of tea and it's one less meal that Len needed to worry about and it gave Pete and Dawn a little bit of cash flow during that first nine years when it didn't rain. Yeah. So the tourist yeah. side of the business has grown um, since then uh, and when you look, Pete, who's now 90, uh, is the longest-serving licensee in the Northern Territory and his original liquor licence said he needed to have stabling for horses and three beds. So that's um, quite quite different to now. And Peter and Dawn were, were very instrumental in the, in the establishment of the tourism industry in this part of the world. Yeah, Ashley sure. was just yeah. a toddler when they came out, so he's lived his entire life here. Um, and I stumbled across it, you know, a little while after that. Um, I came up to go to work. Uh, so like most good wives and husbands in this part of the world, I just walked in the front door. So yeah, I've been here are. for quite a quite a long time now. Uh, and mm. certainly the tourism side of the business is a, is a substantial business now. Uh, but we still run the station. Uh, so we could at any point in time be working cattle this morning and then uh, serving lunch to a group and answering the phone yeah. and making rosters and doing all of those things. So, And so just to give people an idea of the scale of these stations in Central Australia, what's your area of Curtin Springs? So we're just over a million acres in size, 1,028,963. Um, yep. So we're, in, in round figures, 100 kilometres long and 40 kilometres wide. 1,600 square mile, 416,000 hectares. Uh, And we're just a little bit larger than average, um, but not much. And certainly size is reflective of the land types. We've got 22 different land types on the station. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we run about 4,000 head of cattle. And we run British bred cattle. We don't run Brahmins. uh, And we are predominantly now Murray Gray. Uh, yeah, and we're the only ones in the region who are growing Murray Greys, growing and breeding Murray Greys, and they do extremely well here for us. We're really pleased with them. Yeah, great. Oh, that's, yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, well, it's also it's all about that, isn't it? Finding the right animal for the for the country and and well, you know what what actually ticks all your boxes. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. Oh, good. The other good. the other thing that's quite interesting for people is um, we certainly in the past have used helicopters and and horses to muster. We no longer do that. Uh, we simply mm. use the water. So all of our all of the water for our stock is is man made, so it's all bore water. Uh, and all of the troughs fit inside the cattle yard. So the gate the cattle use a one way gate system. So like pushing the trolley into Woolies where you can push it one way but you can't push it back out through that little gate. Uh, so we yeah. simply use the water to muster. Uh, so the cattle have to walk in the in gate, which is a, a one-way gate facing one direction, and then out another gate facing the opposite direction, 
And when we want to muster, all we do is close a little gate that shuts off the outtrap. So they put themselves in the yard for us, um, which is which is very unique to areas where you control the water. So they can't yeah. do it in the And, and you, do you also control that remotely? So there's a lot of work being done on remote control of water um, from computers and things. Um, in a perfect world, we'd like to say that we're already at that point. The reality is that the research for um, satellite, which is what we would need, is not mm. as advanced as you would think that it would be. Now, there's certainly a lot of a lot of work being done in the UHF systems, but our distance yes. is too large. Our communication yes. on the on the station is VHF systems, but there's no research being done in that space. The next mm. one is mobile phones, and they just don't work um, on the coverage that we've got. So, you know, we're looking at the satellite. So uh, there is research being done, but it's uh, it's not as ready to roll out as we would like it to be. Uh, but we've got all of our back-of-house systems, so any of the pumps and things are all electric start so that we can tap into those opportunities when they when they finally get to a retail stage. Yeah, you're ready to go. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. So, yeah, because, I mean, I guess, you know, it just, that uh, that bull run can be uh, long. <laughs> well, <laughs> Helen, sometimes it's needed. Sometimes you just yeah. need to get away from the homestead and the tourist advisory and that's, go that's and right. do that bull run. <laughs> bit, of, bit of me time. Bit of me time yeah, don't days. cut that bull run out just yet. <laughs> <laughs> and that's extremely, that's extremely important for us. You know, at the end of the day, yes. we're running two 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week businesses, and 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 we work hard. There's no there's no denying that. But we also yes. get to do things that very few people in the world get to do, and we have yes. an amazing landscape that we're responsible for, and we very much have a philosophy that says, you know, what is the best thing? What is the best thing today? Uh, and yes. in this amazing landscape, if you can't find a good thing then you shouldn't be here. And the intricacy of the landscape uh, is mm. just amazing. And we see we see new things every single day. Every yes. single day when you're out on the station or even not even very far away from the homestead, you will see something new um, yeah, and, right. and intriguing. So yeah, that's, that's right. Na- nature keeps delivering, doesn't she? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. No, that's wonderful. Here at the Wayside Inn now, we've got uh, 27 accommodation rooms. Uh, We've got the campground with powered and unpowered sites. We've got the restaurant that's open for breakfast, lunch and dinner. We've got the store and the bar. We've got fuel. Uh, So all of those support services for the hundreds of thousands of visitors that drive along the road now every year. So we're only 85 k's from the gates of the um, Ezrokuluru Katajuda National Park. And we're 220 k's back into um, Wataka or Kings Canyon. So a lot of people base themselves here uh, to be able to do those day trips into the large national parks. Um, yes. And, and we offer an alternative. There are some visitors who, who like to have a more authentic experience in the region. Uh, and there are yes. others that would prefer to go and stay at the resort. And uh, it's about sure. providing an option and an alternative for visitors. Yeah, well, that's right, and it's I mean, you know, and it's a, a you know, it's an ideal location, and also you've also got the benefit of Mount Connor as well, which is sometimes people new to the area think might be the rock. 
Yes. <laughs> and they're driving along the road. And as we say to new staff when we're doing their induction, the conversation will go like this. Baby, darling, dearest one, seize the rock. Don't be stupid. We've still got 160 kilometres to go. How could we possibly see it from here? So it looks yes. a little bit different to the photos. Uh, and then <sighs> they stop at the Mount Connor lookout and realise that it's, uh, that yes. it's Mount Connor. Um, but, and, so and yes, it is, it's actually extraordinary in its own right because because of the way in which the landscape goes down and it then just comes out of the land like there's a dip yeah. before it and that just makes it like it's it's uh, quite uh, you know, mind blowing really just seeing it coming out and and of the land like that and I think it's um, just as just as impressive in a completely different way. Yeah, yeah, it is, it's and it's good. a completely different land type and a completely different structure mm. to yes. um, to the others, and uh, we think it's pretty special, uh, but then we're probably a bit biased. Uh, yeah. And it is, it is located on the station, and it is uh, the headstone for a, a number of members of the family, uh, so it yeah. holds in a very personal uh, mm. significance for us as well as just being magnificent to look at every single day. Yes. No, that's excellent. And you, so you also do walks, don't you? You, um, your station, uh, you do walks for people. They can book in for walks. Yeah, so we've got private guided walks that we run on the station. So they're fully inclusive packages, meals, accommodation, and the walking experience. And they're either one or two days around the base of Mount Connor, or one or two days around the Salt Lakes uh, that we have on the station. Or we also do um, a full moon walk where you go out late in the afternoon and be out on the Salt Lake as the sun goes down on one side and the full moon comes up on the other, which Mm -hmm. is quite spectacular. So that's a structured program of walks. Uh, that that we've got dates for 18 and 19 uh, now, so they're all available on the website or contact us and we can send you through the information. Yeah, terrific. There's also the paper making and out of the native grasses that you're doing at certain springs and the wonderful jewellery and the artwork that Amy's doing. I'm just wanting to know more about that. It's so unique and, and special. Uh, and and uh, offering a really, really different experience for people as they're travelling by and really nice and tactile and people can get their hands dirty and actually uh, walk away with their own memento, which is which is truly, truly special for people uh, as they travel through. So could you like to tell us about the, uh, I guess, the idea and where it came from and, and how it's been developed? Feral camels. <laughs> so feral camels. Oh, really, feral camels. Yeah. How, where it came from. So we You're had thank um, you for something. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So we had uh, a couple of of outside influences. Uh, so we had the the live export ban um, a few years ago. That yes. although we yes. don't we don't sell into the live export market, that process had a profound impact on the entire beef industry in Australia over the following couple of years. And one of the the really important things that came out of that is that farmers need to tell their story better. You know, we need to tell our connection with the land and how we look after the land. And and for us here at Curtin Springs, how do we raise protein in the desert? How do we balance that production versus protection of the landscape? And so many visitors to the region, because they haven't had to, um, they they don't understand the land tenure, so they do know that there could be, um, there's Aboriginal land and and there's national parks, but 
they don't understand that the vast majority of the land that they're driving through is privately owned and producing food. So we yeah. we see a lot of visitors and we tell our story a lot, but you can always do that better. So how do we engage visitors to show them our connection with the land and the intricacies of the landscape and how we can protect those you know, really important environmental assets like Mount Connor and like the Salt Lake Chain um, mm. while still making the land productive? So that was yeah. one thing. The other thing was global financial crisis and uh, and the exchange rate being around the wrong way and the tourism sector was doing it hard not only in Australia but worldwide. So how do we how do we encourage visitors to stay one day longer? How yeah. do we um, how do we support tourism Central Australia tourism NT tourism Australia to get people to stay in a region one day longer? So as a tourism business, we needed to do our share of that. So how can we offer something new and different? And how do we tell our story better? And we were heavily involved in the um, in the Feral Camel Project in this part of the world. And we had one of the scientists who was out studying the decomposition rate of feral camels. And he made an off-the-cuff comment one day about, oh, they make paper out of the spinifex, don't they? And I shrugged my shoulders just like any good eight-year-old and said, I don't know, have no idea. Um, but I started talking to Ash about it, my husband, because I thought that was a way that we could tell our story. You know, that was a way that we could show that connection with the landscape. Um, mm-hmm. So like all good husbands, he thought if he ignored me for long enough, it would all just go away. Um, and then when he, when he moved past that process, he said, well, who's going to buy it? I said, well, the girls will buy it because it looks pretty and there'll be something that we can do in the art sector. Now, I didn't know what that would be and um, I'm an accountant. Give me a spreadsheet. I can uh, I can play happily with a spreadsheet all day. But I didn't know how we would be able to break into that art sector. Um, mm. And when Amy came home to work in the business with us, uh, she sees the world through very different eyes and... She was able to make that leap for us uh, into where we could engage in the art sector. And, and I always say, and she always hits me over the head, but I gave birth to her, but I really don't know where she came from because mm-hmm. her artistic streak is not something that she got from me. So we had um, converted the old... We've, we had a commercial abattoir working here on Curtin Springs in the late 70s and 80s, so we had a, a building that was suitable. Uh, we converted that. We made all of the equipment that we needed. The boys made it all down in the shed from the magic supply from down behind the shed. We only had to buy sort of one piece of equipment, um, and yeah. we started making paper, and then Amy came home, and she came into the office one day, shut the door and said, you know, Mum, I need to talk to you. And anyone who has an adult daughter knows that those conversations can sometimes be heartbreaking or, or could be expensive. And Ash backed out the other door pretty quickly at that point. Yeah, Ash backed out and said, I think I need to be away from here. But Amy had said, I think that we can use the paper to make beads and then we can use the beads to make mm. jewellery. And uh, and I think that would really add to what we're offering here. So, you know, with the paper, we're running one-hour tours twice a day. We we do 
um, lunch and, and paper tours for groups travelling through. We've got extended day workshops. Um, and they were all the things that we had started to roll with. But certainly Amy's vision of being able to push that into the art sector has been um, very different and in a completely different direction and has been an amazing step for us. Uh, and she's done an amazing job with all of that. Yeah, it is. And it is a wonderful... The products are amazing and they're, it really is something quite surprising you don't expect to see um, in the desert. And so that's why we're so proud to have you guys as part of our art trail on the Outback Way because uh, there's a lot of diversity of art from from setting gemstones to uh, photography to Indigenous art to to the paper art. I mean, it really is. It's just, just it's just this eclectic mix of, of artistic and creativity. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's really great and it adds enormous value, uh, I think, and another layer to to the Outback Way and and our what what the entire route has to offer for travellers. So. We really appreciate your efforts in this regard. I think it's just really adding value to your business and to the whole tourism experience for people in Central Australia. So, yeah, well done, and um, it is exceptional. And uh, and so, what are, what's uh, currently going on at um, um, in regards to the art? Amy, are you uh, you've got are you sending work away for exhibitions? Or are you doing other work, um, you know, with it or? What sort of things have developed? We were there last July. I'm just interested to know if, oh, if you've had any development. It hasn't been that long. I know, <laughs> I know. It's been a long time, like a year. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so I think the, the biggest... Well, we've had so many things happen in that amount of time, Miss Helen. Um, so I think the biggest things were um, we had been asked a number of times about whether we ran an artist-in-residence program here. Um, and we kind of went, well, not really, um, but, you know, you could talk to us. So we decided to put that out as a structured um, structured program. So we put in place an artist-in-residence program. We opened five spots over 2018-2019. In my perfect world, I was hoping that we would maybe get three applications and that I could blackmail friends of mine to fill the other couple of spots. You actually got um, and about we, 30 or 100? Oh, yes, or? that's pretty much it. Um, <laughs> so we just had this incredibly overwhelming response um, for and, and national and international artists. And the international artists that we have coming to do the program are coming to do that. And we'll stay for a couple of extra weeks and maybe do some other things in Australia while they're here. But, you know, they applied going, I want to come and do that. Um, not I'm coming to Australia and would like to fit that in while I'm here, which for us... Yeah, is, that is amazing. That is fantastic. Yeah, well really, done. really exciting and really humbling mm. that, um, yeah. you know, people think that highly um, of what mm. we're doing, which is really amazing. Um, mm. So we've got, mm. you know, close to um, 20 artists over the next two years that are coming yeah. through. We've had some... Um, we started off the year with some um, some artists come down from Darwin. We thought we'd start with the Territory and, and expand out from there. We've got a, um, a woman at the moment who's from just north of Perth, so she's swapped the white sand and the blue water to red sand and blue sky and just is thinking that that's quite amazing. Um, yeah. So we're, we're quite excited now that, um, you know, the, the gallery that is part of, 
of the Curtain Springs paper experience and that tour has now kind of opened up even further and is now incorporating some of the work that has been created by other artists in their time here mm. and their interpretation of Central Australia and the landscape and the materials that they use. And, and, and so it's a different, and it's, it's a diversity of mediums or is yeah, it all with yeah. the paper? We've had, um, you know, painters and, you know, print makers and, and even those over the next couple of years, you know, we've got one woman who's making her husband drive her from Sydney so she can bring her loom because she's oh. a weaver. Um, and is coming out to weave the landscape and weave paper and, you know, other found objects from our landscape into that. So the diversity of mediums that will be here over the next couple of years, which um, is really interesting and, you know, we, we've got all of the information about the artists up on the website and, um, you know, we post on Facebook and Instagram about their adventures here and, you know, people that are travelling through the, the region and along the outback. Um, out that way can come through and meet them and see what they're doing at the same time. Um, so it just gives an, an extra kind of an extra treat as they come through and travel through the region as well. Um, the other thing that happened at the end of last year was I was pushed pretty hard by Eco Fashion Week Australia to mm-hmm. participate. And it was the first time that they've held the event in Australia. And she kept calling me until I said yes. Um, I kept saying no, um, that I'm not ready to do that. And I don't even know what a fashion show is. I've never been to one of those before. Um, (laughs) But she kept going, no, you have to do it. You have to do it. And so I said yes. Probably the scariest experience of my entire life. Um, It was pretty amazing, though, seeing Ash with his sleeveless shirt in the front front row of a fashion show. That was was probably the (laughs) highlight. Of the, of the whole week. Um, but to have, um, 16 models on, on the runway, um, and, you know, I said yes to paper jewellery, and then she said, what are they wearing? And I went, jewellery? She went, you can't do that. Um, they actually need to wear something as well. So then, of course, we had to make the clothes that they wore. Mm. So, you know, there are beds without sheets and tables without tablecloths, because we can't just go into town and pick up material. Um, so, you know, everything that was fair game was taken, um, including, you know, the shawl from my mother's wedding and, you know, all kinds of things oh on the back God, of the covers. Oh, my just fantastic. Wow. To, um, to and, and how perfect, these what, a, what a perfect way of, you know, showing, you know, curtain springs. Curtain springs. The curtains got you. Uh, curtain <laughs> Exactly. And, and, but you know, like tablecloths and things, and all, and I just think that's great because you're showing off your jewellery with uh, all the the clothing from from whatever you could find. I think that's just that was yeah. spectacular. Good on you. And that's it was excellent. just it was yeah. um, you know for us as well. We were the only people from the Northern Territory. Um, mm. You know, the only ones from Central Australia. You know, the the only ones that, that really that their focus was jewellery, and that the materials that we were also making the raw materials we were working from. So the fact that yeah. we were, you know, that that eco model and sustainable model is our business model and has been for 60 years and what we do every day without even having to think about it. Um, mm. You know, for us, it's not a buzzword. And being, no, you know, it's, 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 it's the way of doing it, business. It is just what we do. Um, yeah. So that for us was really interesting to be able to, um, you know, talk about what we're doing here and, and to promote the region 
um, and promote the region as doing something a little bit different. Um, so we hope that um, you know people came away from that just knowing a little bit more about the materials and the landscape. But you know, a piece of paper is not necessarily just a piece of paper, and I think that's really important too. Yeah, and it, I mean, it just captures the essence of your of the landscape so beautifully. So yeah, yeah. You know, congratulations. That, that's extraordinary. What 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 a what a six, eight months you've had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now they've asked us to come back again this year, Miss Helen, and she wants me to close the show and do thirty. So I'm currently um in the process of working out how I'm going to come up with thirty designs. Um, oh wow. And mm. showcase the region again in that way. Yeah. That's that's true, so oh, one, of, one of the that's things we didn't say earlier, and you had certainly mentioned spinifex, um, and we do we do make paper out of spinifex, either the seed head or the base, but we also use all of the other grasses, so woolly butt grass, oat grass, kerosene mm. grass, wire grass, uh, you know the the buffle grass, buffle grass, um, the yeah. uh, using the the needles off the desert oak tree. Um, we we made some out of the roly-poly bushes last year when there was just thousands of them floating around. So, you know, we're, we, we're using all of the, the, of the different plants in the landscape uh, and not, you know, not just one. Uh, we, we colour the paper with some clay uh, to provide that, that red colour. But apart from that, we don't, we don't colour it any other different way at this point. We just let Mother Nature provide um, what she does in such an amazing way. So, you know, anything that's got a fibre in it, we can make paper out of. Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, that, at least you know you won't run out of supply anyway. No, <laughs> no, and that was, you know, that was certainly one of the one of the challenges about, you know, how much do you need, and and you don't need very much um, fibre to make quite a lot of paper. Uh, yeah, so that's you right. Can, you can make it go a, a long way, and a long way. That, mm. You know, visitors who are doing the the one hour tour um, at, you know, there at half past ten or four o'clock every day. Uh, just being able to see that transformation from the plant that they're seeing along the roadway uh, into mm. a, a usable piece of everyday material. And I have to say, for us, it's increased the value that we put on normal paper. You know, you can buy a ream of paper for not very much money, but when you, when you look at what it takes to produce mm. that product... Uh, we certainly have a very different value on every single piece of paper that we use. Um, yeah, that's stuff. right. And I think what makes it, um, you know, special for people coming through as well is that, you know, the colour that the paper is today, that we're making today, is the colour that the landscape is today. So if we've had rain and it's green, the paper's green. If we haven't had rain and it's dry, then it's, you know, a creamy colour or a really golden colour. But they actually get to be involved in, you know, in making something of what they're seeing and really the getting current that. current season. Mm. Yeah, really getting that connection yeah. with that and then able to take a piece of that home with them. So, you know, it doesn't yes. have a sticker on the back of it that says Made in China. You know, it's something that, yeah. that they've been involved in and had a go at and um, really been a part of and that's what they get to take home and share. And each yeah. piece is individual. Uh, we can't duplicate it. 
how, you know... No, that's it. it, it each piece is individual. Each piece of Amy's jewellery is completely um, unique uh, and handcrafted. Uh, so it's a, a truly authentic souvenir of the region for people to take home. And, you know, one of the things that uh, Amy talks about quite regularly is to to let visitors re-engage with the experience that they had during their holiday, uh, which is yes. the whole purpose of holidays. So what you want is someone who's gone home, be it to Melbourne or be it to London, um, and it's rainy and it's cold and they put on their necklace or, or put in their earrings and that takes them back to that you know beautiful big sky you know, the night sky and the stars and, mm. and the experience that they had during their holiday in Central Australia. Um, and yes, that tactile response t- transports them back to that spot. And and we all know how that works. You know, we all yes, know that's that right. senses are, are so powerful in memory. So um, yes. we find that very humbling when when people get really excited about being able to take that piece of the landscape home with them. Mm. No, it's a, uh, it's it is a uh, a very unique and one off one off uh, souvenir, and I think I think that's also the benefit too. Rather than just get another fridge magnet, <laughs> you, know, you know, actually treat yourself and, and you get do have fridge, mag- fridge magnets too, though, Miss Helen, and, as, well, as well, absolutely, as well. Yeah. No, but, uh, <laughs> but we made but out of the... at least at least uh, oh, you make them out of paper now too. Yeah, of course you yeah, do. Yeah, of course. <laughs> We've got fridge magnets that um, that nobody else will have because yes, this is good. That's right. Blind. But I but I think um, I think people also when they're travelling, rather than taking all the little you know goods and chattels from um, you know the so the plastic souvenirs, to actually get some, bring something home that that's of real value and uh, and is a true memento of where you've been. I think um, is, is something that's a few you know fairly rare to find these days. So um, you know. That that is a really terrific uh, outcome for you guys, and I think um, I think that's really uh, what people are enjoying so much about it. It's just it's so it is authentic, as you say. So um, yeah, thank you, thank you for your time. And I did you uh, how do people then get in touch with Curtain Springs and book and and uh, how do they engage with you guys? They can call us. We answer the phone. <laughs> um, that's good. That's, that's probably one of the first ways. Um, you know, you can book online through the website. Um, all of the information's on our website. They can book directly through there, um, whether it's accommodation or campground or just a paper tour. Um, you all can, the walks. All the walks. All of that is, you can book directly online. Which is www.curtainsprings.com. So C-U-R-T-I-N-S-P-R-I-N-G-S.com. Um, no way yes. you on the end and no way in curtain because it's about it. No, that's right. No, it's curtain. 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 We've got you know a lot of information up on our Facebook page just about what we're up to and what some of the things are that are happening for us um, on the station and and as a family and um, you know Instagram as well. Yes. We've got Curtain Springs Instagram, and then Amy's got her um, AM Paper Art Instagram. So it's slightly different oh, in the two areas. Oh, good. Oh, good. So all and um, yeah. and the phone number, the phone number for Curtain Springs zero eight eight nine five six two nine zero six. Fantastic. Well, thank you both very much. That's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, and just 
lovely to hear the uh, the suite of options you've got for people and uh, and how people can engage with uh, with your station and your talents. And uh, I think it's uh, truly is worth a stop and uh, a wonderful place to visit. So I encourage everyone listening to put the curtain strings on their their uh, map and uh, and on their itinerary and uh, as they're travelling along the Outback Way. So thank you both very much, and uh, we'll uh, all the very best with all your development. Okay. Thank you, Miss Helen. Thank you for tuning into the Outback Way podcast. Our notes and links will be on our website, outbackway.org.au. You can subscribe to our newsletter, buy our guidebook, and download the app if you haven't already. Please join us on Facebook, Outback Way, Australia's Longest Shortcut, and on Twitter at Outback Way 1. The Outback Way podcast is all about your trip. We're really trying to make it easier for you and give you valuable information to make it more enjoyable. So we'd love your feedback. Send your questions, comments and travel stories to info at outbackway.org.au and if you share your story, we may even feature you on this podcast. Thank you for joining us through the heart of Australia on Australia's Longest Shortcut. Cheers for now.